Hey everybody, this is Linda Misigatis, and you're listening to An Unconventional Guide to Success, the show that talks about real life with real people for those of you who are interested in learning from others the steps they took on their journey towards success as defined by them. Welcome to the studio. So good to see you, Scott. Good to see you too, Linda. How are you? I am good. I'm good. And we are so excited to have Larice in the studio with us this morning as well. I know. Hi, Larice. Hello. Yeah, this will be a good one. I always learn something every single time I talk to Larice. So I know everybody else is going to as well. She's she's awesome. So I can't um, wait to unpack the I don't have to go to college part. I know, I know, right? I know. Well, and we can, um, since we often shamelessly plug um, Scott's books, um, let's, what? Um, let's, sh- what? Let, I know, <laughs> let's shamelessly plug Larissa's book. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Yes, I need a copy. Yes, exactly. Yes. yes. No, Congratulations. For sure. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, an amazing accomplishment. Um, well, let me introduce Larice. Um, Larice is the founder and CEO of C Track. C Track's books and training programs teach early to mid career professionals how to improve their relationships at work by improving how they communicate ideas, make requests, and manage others. C Track's brand, I Don't Have to Go to College, teaches students how to forge their own path by discovering well paying jobs that don't require a four year college degree across growing industries. Larissa's insights have been featured in The Muse, Chief Learning Officer, Inc. Magazine, and Huffington Post. And I have had the distinct pleasure of seeing Larissa present at the Public Sector Network events uh, where she has talked about um, communication and ran a couple of panels for us. So um, so it's so awesome um, to have her in the studio with us today. That's awesome. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes, me too. Well, so I always like to start out our our um, episode with an icebreaker, Larice, because I I just do so. Um, and there's no no other re- no other way around it. So Scott try, has tried try to avoid it, might. but it never works. So um, so my question is, if you could hang out with any cartoon character, who would you choose and why? You know, I thought of Daffy Duck. And I, I really, it was because of Space Jam. And I remember his character always being the one that said, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I think that's interesting because my instinct is to think most things will work. So I think uh, being met with his pessimism or realism, I think, or his, you're understandable. Like, I think that would be really interesting (laughs) to have a conversation with him. I think we just think differently. I love that. I well, and I'm a huge Looney Tunes fan, so um, so I absolutely have always um, loved Daffy Duck, and I probably relate to Daffy a little bit more than I should, um, because you know I <laughs> I do have a tendency to look at things sometimes and go, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah, that's not going to work. Um, and so <laughs> so no, I I love that, um, and that's a good one for sure. Daffy would be an interesting character to hang out with, um, no doubt. How about you, Scott? Are you sticking with your usual or are you changing things up? Yeah, you know, I thought about Looney Tunes today. I'm thinking there's a definite uh, distinction between uh, work and life. So I think (laughs) of Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner and how, you know, they're chasing after it all day long at furious speeds of, uh, you know, fast, fast, fast. And uh, then they turn it off and take a lunch break and go home and dust off yeah. and do it all over again the next day. So today <laughs> yeah. I might be more into the Looney Tunes 
as well. Ah, I like it. What about you, Linda? What about you? Well, today, since we're going with the Looney Tunes, I love Marvin the Martian. Um, I would love to hang out with Marvin um, because, you know, similarly, I am always plotting and planning on how I'm going to take over the world. Um, And I think that... um, (laughs) Note to self, Larissa. Note note to to self. self. That's right. (laughs) We might be getting gobbled up on this uh, discussion today. You might. That's right. No. um, I just think what a crazy character he would be to kind of... um, Because he's not very good at it either um, because he does plan. And, um, and I think, you know, again, similarly, I like to fly by the seat of my pants and off in many things. Um, hence all the amazing lessons I learned doing this podcast. So, um, but, uh, but I think I would go with Marvin. He's just, uh, an interesting guy for sure. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Good icebreaker well, I- today. That was yeah, good. that was a good one. Yeah, right. I shoulders like that. dropped. No. Everybody's eased into their chairs. We're That's ready to right. rock and roll. <laughs> Let's talk about the amazing things that Larice Brown has done. Let's talk about her book again. Yes. Let's unpack that a little bit. Did you want to have a Did you have a question you wanted to ask director? No, you go right ahead, Scott. I was gonna. I was yeah. I was gonna move right into tell us about. I don't yeah. have to go to college. Discover well-paying jobs that don't require a four-year college degree. Awesome. What's that mean? Talk to us about that. It means that college enrollment peaked even a decade ago, yet uh, students who don't want to go to college don't receive any support in school. I mean, I could go on a tangent about that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, this is our platform. <laughs> That's right. You do it. <laughs> talk about the policy along with that. But I will say that I'm sure we all can agree that when we went to, you know, as we were in school, the emphasis or the metric of success was you graduate and you go to college. And we were all taught that that was the only path that would lead you to economic success and other forms of success that come along with adulthood. And so the book was really born of, you know, um, as an education entrepreneur for the past decade, paying attention to both professionals and learning and development. And then students, as they transition, even throughout college, you realize that um, students don't know their options, right? There is no forging your own path after high school. There's only you go to college, as we talked about before. So the purpose of the book is I have uh, interns that I take on both during the summer and during the, the winter quarter. And it was evident that they didn't know options outside of a four-year college, everything from apprenticeships to uh, even the programs offered at community colleges. Yeah, they, This is a generation who does want to do what they're interested in, but they every, people say, um, okay, if you're not going to go to college, then you must be win- willing to do a trade. And that's not, um, not going to college is not exclusive to trades, right? There's everything from art and design to healthcare. Of course, there are trades, but there's other jobs that don't require a four-year college degree that we don't talk about. And then, of course, parents, you know, are the biggest advocates of the four-year college degree as well. They, they see that as the path to success. So uh, the third chapter of the book highlights how to have that conversation financially with your parents, right? This is how much adult responsibilities cost, and this is how much your salary that you'll make when you... Um, graduate or into your profession. And these are the adult responsibilities you'll take on. So the book was born of, even if you do want to go to college, you should know that there are alternatives for you. And it's really about that. That is some powerful, powerful stuff that I don't know if you've uh, followed up with any of what I've been about, but my book was almost called The Things They Don't Teach You in College. Mm -hmm. And just so you're clear, the degree I just earned 35 years later in May my children now say is less of a flex than had I started my business without the degree. And I did, but now that I have a degree, they're like, it's less of a flex, all your successes. I never went to school, Larice. I never finished college either. 
So I love the theme of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I only did it to represent for the next generation that there is importance in being educated and that you can do it whenever you want. And so I think that's good. I like that, Scott, because similarly, I didn't go to school. And and unlike Scott, I have not pursued finishing. I've thought about it a few times, like going back to or going to school. I've taken some college courses here and there, but but that was not the path that I took for a number of reasons um, why I chose that direction. Um, And and I think that um, it was a hard road ahead, but I learned a lot along the way, but I would have loved to have a Larise Brown in my pathway, oh, my um, honestly, to kind of help guide along those lines, because um, it was more challenging. And, and, you know, and I think that um, mostly it was challenging because of preconceived notions that if you went to college, you were the smartest person in the room, um, not you were the smartest in the room person in the room, because you knew what you were talking about. And, um, and I think that that was the hard part about it. But Larise, you chose to go to college. You are a highly educated um, woman. And um, talk a little bit about like your path and why did you choose to go that? And why do you now kind of take this pr- approach, like helping guide other other young people um, in a in a different way? I love it. I thought the only so growing up. My parents told me early, they were like, Reese, you're very book smart. You don't have any street smarts. And I was like, okay, I'm just good. Do school very well, right? Like I was like, oh, you want somebody who's going to study a long time and practice and tie their identity to how well they get a right answer? I got you. And I, I was co-validatory in the eighth grade. I went to an all-girls boarding school. I was um, graduated magna cum laude from college. And I remember, though, um, I called my dad in boarding school. It was senior year, and I was unfamiliar with the college process, even though we had a dedicated college counselor. I just didn't understand the process. And I said, I said, Dad, I said, I don't want to go to college. He was like, get a job. I hung up the phone. I was like, I'm going to college <laughs> because I knew how to do school. I didn't know how to do work there, right? Like I right. knew. And so my path was every, you know, um, academically focused because that was a strength that I knew that I had. And uh, I will say, though, when I got to Gettysburg College, my advisor was like, Larissa, you have to pick a major. Like, I really didn't know. And I, I don't think that's peculiar to me. I think I'm just fortunate enough to be able to share this with you all. Meaning, like, I went to a yeah. liberal arts school. And in liberal arts, you're supposed to take different subjects. So political science, philosophy, et cetera. And I did that. But when it came to picking a major, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I just was fortunate to have a supervisor who helped me come up with a writing for public policy. So it mixed public relations and public policy. And then I also studied Africana studies. But I say that to say uh, this, I'm glad we're talking about this because one of the biggest critiques and why students don't get an ROI on college is there isn't appropriate counseling around their program or major, right? The idea is, that, oh, you just went to college. Well, no, you, you can go to college for a lot of different things. Some things you can go to college and you're always going to be underemployed, meaning like, um, especially some things in public service, or if you're going for law enforcement, you don't need a four-year college degree to participate in most forms of law enforcement. So um, my journey, I recognize the pressure, right? I recognize that the reason why I was always considered smart was because I did well at school. And I think there's some downsides to that too, because what we focus on in academic learning is I always had strong recall and it puts this perfection, right? I really struggled with, oh, I don't want to get that wrong. Uh, which is why I do understand why they say C students end up being the bosses of A students, because you just, they're willing to go at life and say, oh, that didn't work out. Let me try again. And A students are like, 
I'm going to wait until I absolutely know what the correct answer is. And then I'm going to, and then by then you, you've missed a lot of time. Right. And then you don't even take, if the, if the answer still isn't the best outcome, you still don't, you know, um, you still struggle with that feedback, but that's an offshoot. So, so my journey I recognized was appropriate for me, but what I didn't like is I did graduate similarly, Linda, with the same thinking that people took towards you. I did it the right way. This is the only path to be successful. But when I paid attention to the economy and then even in my own family, I was like, no, there's something that's not right here. And uh, to your point still, I think one of the frustrating things in this space is education begets education. So anybody in the industry is you have your master's and PhDs and we love that. And there really is no regard for the fact that uh, most people's stop in education will end at high school. You know, and we just we don't consider that and we don't consider um, how we can do more to actually ensure students who don't go to college can be successful. Yeah, that's such a great point. Yeah, go go ahead. ahead. Well, uh, you know, I was. Yeah, no, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, uh, just comment a little bit on that, Larice, because I think it's an excellent point, especially right now as the hot topic around student loans is um, is floating around so much. Uh, you know, this topic of um, of really being able to um, to wipe away student debt, but that's great. But I think we need to think about what the future is, right? So f- for all of those people who are who are coming into um, to go to college or thinking about that path now, financial implications have really come in to play with that. Um, and I think that you're right. There's never been a better time for an overhaul of the education system than right now, because I also think similarly uh, back, you know, when when you think about going to college, probably back when I was younger, um, is that um, you were going from your parents' home to um, to college, and that was going to be your first life experience in many cases, right? And so you also took a lot of classes that probably weren't going to mean anything to you in the career path that you were going to be on, but that was the way college was plotted out for you. And it was um, also an opportunity to kind of learn how to live on your own. But that's not the world we live in today. Um, And, you know, so I think that there's that's part of it as well, is that a lot of that um, old school thinking, and you remind me of this frequently, that was in the past, Linda, this is today. And, um, and I think, um, and I think that it's important, though, because we are still kind of living in the ideals of the past and trying to apply those to um, an environment that does not is not the same in any way. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts around that. Well, even um, I do want to get to that, but I do want to acknowledge what um, Linda, you and Scott noted about Scott, you finishing now and then Linda, you not finishing and being successful. Because one of the things that students spoke about was, you know, they don't get examples of anybody who chose not to go to college and is doing well. Right. It's like you all are suppressed. Right. Well, we don't or they um, or Scott, in your case, people will say, yeah, you need your degree to fall back on. Well, you've got your degree now, right? Which is excellent. It's a great accomplishment, but that's not what you fell personal, back on. No, and we're it was a pers- totally personal, <laughs> totally a personal yeah. quest. And one of the things that I'll, and I'll, and I, I, I definitely don't mean to keep doing this, but one of the reasons this is emphasized is that most people look back on me and say that knew me younger and they'd say, how did you get here? Right. Cause I had found so much more success than ever expected because I floundered around in those college years, I had no direction. I didn't understand any of it. My parents didn't guide me that. And it was just expected I was going to go work 
to the maximum of my potential, which surprised everybody. What? So, you know, the personal interest to go back and finish my degree was all that was. The things that I took were liberal arts related, painting, creativity, you know, polish up your English grammar, some basic curriculum stuff. But none of that applied really to what I've found here at WorldGate that I've been doing for 25 years that I've raised mm -hmm. my family on. Really important. So if I may, just for a second while I have the floor, move back to the notion of street smart, book smart. And one of the things that's very interesting to me in that, that I'm going to ask your opinion on is my wife is very book smart. She's got her, you know, she's polished up beautifully, like all the degrees, the masters, all the stuff <laughs> when she was 24 years old. Now, what does that all mean against I've been fighting and scrapping all along. I got my street smarts. <laughs> what does it mean for you, the difference between book smart and maybe let's accentuate those street smart attributes mm -hmm. for our listeners so that maybe they know where to polish in or hone in on their gifts of yeah. street smarts. Yeah. What's your take I mean, on that? Yeah. And Linda, I actually think this goes really well back to the previous question you asked where you were talking about the, um, where we are now in the world and where we were previously. Yeah. Um, you know, academic learning has a place. We all mm -hmm. go to work and there's a competency, right? There's information we need for our skills. And still yeah. uh, with C-Track, even the work I do with professionals, I was like, you, we all know people who are incredibly competent. Now you get the archetype yeah. of people who are competent and people, they lack people skills, but we let them go because they're some genius, right? Yes. But more, right. <laughs> what's more common are people who are, in, uh, who are intelligent, very focused on doing things the right way, yet they're stalled. They're like, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know how to have this conversation with my coworkers. Totally. Like I'm overlooked. Um, you know, I'm managing a team and I don't feel connected to them. And so what I realized, the difference between book smarts and street smarts is that competency, helpful, meaningful to you doing your job. The, the street smarts, meaning recognizing that like people are motivated by different things than you. Mm -hmm. You have to have appropriate conflict, right? When you manage people, you have to have a comfort with consequence or feedback, right? At the same time, even wow. the street smarts are like, everybody is not like you. That's yeah. actually how you build the relationships at work to get things done. And I think what which book smarts does for you is it makes you theoretically and your mind rigid. It yeah. must be the path to success yeah. is like this. Um, everybody is going to do the best thing at all times. <laughs> Street smart says no, right? Like <laughs> not at all. <laughs> people are going to do what's best for them. Now you yeah. can optimize for more people doing what you need them to do, but you can't just say, okay, now that everybody has this information and this, things are going to be done. And yeah. I think that's right. the biggest difference. We learn the hard way, which is great. You know that. And still life, I think other people who have street smarts, that doesn't, they, again, they don't have to come from the streets in the way that people most naturally, no, maybe right. think of them, but, but they come from life. They come from lived experience. They come from things not working out. They come from, taking mm -hmm. paths where everything is not already laid out for you. Yes. You get an understanding of, oh, I planned this and I had to adjust, right? That's why Mike Tyson says everybody yeah. has a plan until they get punched in the face. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right? We don't get punched enough. 
Yeah, Linda, can no. you hold her book up again just for the screen yes, so that we have yeah, like a full absolutely. On, yes. I mean, yes. maybe pull back Isn't a little bit. That's I, yeah, that, perfect. That good? I don't yeah, have I'm not to used go to, to I'm not used to plugging books the way you are, Scott, so no, but, I'm not as skilled at it. <laughs> well, you took it down too fast. We didn't get a chance oh, to oh, examine did I? Oh, it. Oh, I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I am super excited about this book. Honestly, um, I think it's I great too. because there are all of these practical guides in the book. Um, that Larise put together. So it's not just a, it's not just an academic book. Um, it's actually a practical guide of things to think about and, and to walk through and to go and, and to really kind of, um, you know, plan. It's a great planning book. Um, it talks about goals and, um, and the things that you need to be thinking uh, through as you're making these decisions. Larise, what like prompted you to like, what was the trigger for you to go? I need to write a book about this. I need to help young people. Like what was, is, was there an event or a trigger that caused that for you? Yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I'm frustrated for those students. Uh, and I, I started learning more about the economy. I think in education, we also do a wonderful job of being entirely ignorant that we graduate students into an economy. Like, I think we're yeah. like, yes. you go to right. school, that's it, right? You're an adult. Yeah. Graduate, yes. like, wave your diploma, you know, and, and that's yes. your right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Now you have a job, a house, a car. It's all good. Yeah. And no one told you how to manage any yeah, of it. Right? No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You spoke about your so, twins. Your twins, if they go to college, they'll get their diploma and they'll wave it at you and they'll say, I'm an adult. Right. Right? Like, well, the funny, and, 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 and my experience like yours or like you're aware of, I should say, is very much like, no, you're not getting the most expensive logo from a <laughs> university. Let's right. let's hone in on your street and let's hone in on your skill set. Let's yeah. see what you're interested in doing. So you're you're right about the ability that I have to chart sort of chart a different direction on waving that sort of diploma. You know, yeah. you want to go to the fancy school and pay for the expensive logo. You go right ahead. You want an education and what you want to move your life forward in. I'm all here for it. Yeah, right. And that's even Linda to your question. That's where the book came from. I'm a believer. Growing up as one of six, my mother made it very clear. She was like, "You all are all very different." Uh, and so I learned early: success looks different for different people. Yeah. And I recognized in working with students, they just didn't have that. And as somebody who got the beneficial end of, "Oh, you're smart. You do school yeah. well. You." Yeah. Uh, as I continued working with students, I became more aware of, well, there's another end to that, right? You didn't do school well. You're not that smart. Uh, that also means we're we're going to say you're not that smart, which means we also think you're not going to be successful, which means yeah. we're going to put other negative stereotypes and like we're going to discriminate yes. against you, Linda, as you yes. noted. And I just didn't think, I, I got to a point where I was like, this is not fair and it's not helpful. And also yeah. there are people that make more money who didn't go to college, right? And have other yes. parents who did go to college. So if this is about yeah. economics, then we are really conflating a lot of factors here. Um, and so it was a recognition and I'll hear it from students, you know, you'll hear students and they'll say like, if you don't want to go to college, you get no support. And I will say yeah. even in promoting this book or finding partners for this book, Schools have no incentive to support students who don't want to go to college. Very and true. I yep. feel like this, and I'm like, this is a resource. I can only imagine what it's like to be in high school today and yeah. to say, who here can help me? And then to say, there's no one. Uh, and yeah. I think to add to that, the other piece that is um, frustrating for students is adults are our ignorance around if somebody mm -hmm. says they don't want to go to college. We're very much, and we're proud of it. 
We're like, oh, yeah. you must want to do a trade. Yeah. Or um, we say things like, well, you want to do YouTube University? Like you want to make money online? And I was like, and I was like, wow, we really, as a culture, diminish that. I don't yes. of different pathways. Like we cannot mm-hmm. yes. at all. No. <laughs> so, so uh, that was the turning point for me. That discrimination, that sense of, well, you're not going to be successful if you don't go to college. I disagree with that wholeheartedly, and I don't think we realize all the ways we send that message over and over yeah. again to students. So, in your book, what do you? So, I'm just thinking, like, what are some of the chapters of your book that sort of instruct that sort of new way of thinking? I didn't, yeah, I don't have my hands on it right now, but so how do we solve that instead of just diminishing it? What are some of the things that you promote in that, in the way that you've written it, or the topics that you like to sort of incentivize those of us who didn't go to school? What would you say to us mm-hmm. as a way to encourage it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one thing is so, first, know your options and know the pros and cons of each one. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the things that is underutilized and, and are community colleges. A lot of healthcare jobs require uh, an associate's, and those are jobs that are growing. So I would say know your options across the board, everything from boot camps to entrepreneurship, military, uh, associates programs at community colleges, et cetera. But I would say the second thing is lean into what you do. The second chapter of the book, which is the biggest one, is about you have things you're interested in. Uh, and Linda, I remember you and I talked about this before. When adults talk about work, adults, I would say that like I'm not one of them. But those other, those other adults. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on to that as long as you can. Hold that's on to right. that. <laughs> that's right. Yes. I still like to pretend like I, I'm not one of them. <laughs> damn, damn time. We didn't like it done to us, but we, we continue on and we do it, right? So when I say yes. like, when we talk about work, it's like, well, on this job, you will produce this and this. And yeah. it's like, well, would you sign up for that if you were 18, 16 to t- even 21 trying to explore a job? Would you sign up for this is what you produce? And this is. And uh, one of the things that is fun is to watch students recognize that these natural interests that they have across eight different industries, whether it's art and design, again, healthcare, construction, that they can be matched to jobs. Right. Like you don't yeah. have to be anyone. You don't have to be interested in anything other than what you're already interested in to find right. a well-paying job that doesn't require a college degree. I think that's where the light bulbs go off for students yeah. and adults is like, oh, I didn't. They just didn't know these jobs existed, you know. And so yes. now now that this job exists, now that I know the salary that comes along with it. Oh, now that I also know what I need to do after I graduate with school, I need to do to prepare for this job. Now I have a post-secondary plan. Right. And in many yeah. ways, what I'm most proud of at the book is students, if they get that book, have a, a stronger post-secondary plan than students who go to college, because most students who are sent to college don't know what their outcome that they're going towards. Right. Right. They yeah. don't know what the end game is. They don't know entry level jobs associated with whatever they're studying. And that's why, on average, most people take 20 years to pay off their degree. I mean, it's oh, crazy. Yeah, it is. But, that's yeah. a no, that's a different. Maybe we'll have a second podcast about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. about the economics of the college yes. education. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I do I like the word economics, really though, point. about what you what you re- relate yeah. to the fact that the economics piece is sort of void of any instruction for any of us. It's go to college, yeah. get in debt, or go get that minimum wage paying job right out of high school and hope that you can mm-hmm. climb some corporate ladder. There's no discussion yeah. of budget. I remember teaching some of my clients here's the spreadsheet I used to pay the first half of the month of the bills. And here's the Mm -hmm. second half. And the only reason I learned all of that was because I went to a consumer credit counseling service after my car was repoed. And I found myself $50,000 in debt with no degree or a job at 18 years old. 
because the credit card companies just gave me money. It's all not to plug my book, but I do tell these stories because they really match what you're talking about. And I can really see the collaboration of what you're suggesting. And in someone like me's experience and Linda, Linda shares the same, same sort of background. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. important. We get this message in front of these, uh, the next generation. I totally agree. Yep. Yeah. And that budgeting and all of those sorts of things, you're right. It's life, right? Um, right. so college is great to your point, Larissa, on the academic side, right? It's that book smart, um, street smart, but we have to have a little bit of street smart, um, to, to live in the world today. Right. Even from simple things like balancing a checkbook or, mm. you know, or understanding the impacts of credit. And, and when I was coming up, you know, we didn't talk about that sort of stuff. Your mom and dad did not talk about finances with you. That was none of your business. Um, And so they also were then not guiding you along the lines of being prepared for budgets Mm -hmm. and, and life and those things. And so you just had to kind of experience it and learn it the hard way. And then also school was not preparing for you for that either. So, you know, they weren't putting um, courses in, in place in order to help, um, um, young people think about those sorts of things. And even today, they still don't do a very good job about putting those types of classes in front of children um, so that they learn those things, just the basics of um, of what it takes to live your life. Um, yeah. And we make these assumptions. Uh, Michael Abebe, who's um, a young person who I really enjoy uh, working with, one of the things that he said to me was like, Linda, I was listening to this podcast and he and this, this person said, you only have to make $75,000 a year. Anything above that is just, you know, extra. And he, so he's kind of lived his life on this philosophy of like, what do I need to here's do? And yeah. Th- yeah. And here's this young man has, you know, he bought a house, he's paying his mom's house so that she could retire. Like he has been very smart about what he's done, but he also is not into all of the stuff. Cause that's mm-hmm. also what our culture teaches. He with mm-hmm. the most um, wins yeah. type of thing. And so you think you have to spend all this money on stuff in order to uh, to be successful as well. It's just really fascinating as you look at all these terrible lessons we have instilled <laughs> upon, um, you know, the g- many generations. So Now, Linda, to your point, one thing we did un- um, unintentionally, though, for this generation is they are aware that the economy they're going into is not one where they can acquire a lot of stuff. That so, is true. Um, it's now... You know, it used to be, okay, you go to college or, you know, um, in some cases you're 18 or you're finished with school, you got your job, you got to go. And this generation, I think on average, they're going to be with their parents somewhere between 25 to 28. Uh, no. And I, yes, no, yeah. tell me yeah. so. so. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Cost of living, yeah. right? Yes. The idea yeah. of a starter home is gone. Um, yeah. Some of the, the benefits, even that can come along with some jobs, aren't guaranteed. And so that's making this generation of students, I mean, in some ways, they can have the financial conversation earlier, they'll be able to save because the overhead is not there. And I also think one thing that this generation has learned too is they really, I mean, employers don't like it, but there's not a sense of loyalty there. And I think it's twofold. Very true. They saw what happened to previous generations that were loyal. But I also think if you're home at your parents, then, you know, hey, I don't like this job. I'm going to quit. Yeah. I'm already in my bedroom. You know, I think. Most, yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. There is a like little level job. of security. There's yeah. a level of security there. So I do think um, that sense of stuff 
Now, there are those offshoot stories where it's like the money they save, they spend on luxury bag, right? But, right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. That. Yeah. Those are probably the exceptions, right? Because we <laughs> love to uh, highlight the exception. We rarely yes. want to highlight the norm, like what, what's yes. really happening out there in the world but today. But yeah. the norm yeah, absolutely is now, I think, just a slower launch out, which gives them more space to figure out, well, is this what I want to do? I think in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. Yeah. I was just going to yeah. ask you what you thought of that, because as a parent, I'm I'm starting to grapple with the security uh, equaling entitlement, equaling I'll switch jobs. There's no loyalty. There's no kill or be killed. There's no yeah. kill or be killed like we all are going through and went through to get ourselves where we are. Right. Mm. So yeah. what? Are, so you so let's talk. Is that a good thing? And what's the balance of that? Because I'm ready to throw them out off the you know cliff. And <laughs> and in today's world, they might not have anything but concrete underneath there. To your point yeah. about no more yeah. starter homes, no more loyal employers. You know. So what yeah. am I pushing them into, right? Versus right. what you're saying about it being a good thing. They're in my their bedroom in my house. Yeah. <laughs> Note, I called it my house. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so what's the balance here? Talk to me. Talk to me. It is your house. Now that's true. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, the idea is that they're not there forever, but they need a longer time to get there. And so it's, yeah. you're right. There is always this double-edged sword, right? You you don't want um, a Gen Z, or we'll call them, to like the fact that right. um, there's no responsibilities that they're taking on. And that's why yeah. even in the book, the question isn't, okay, you're at your parents' house, it's a free-for-all. It's what's the first adult responsibility you're going to take on. And there's a range of it, right? Some people, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's their phone bill, whether it's the cable bill, whether it's, you'll hear stories of parents saying, well, you'll pay this for rent and I'll put this away for when you're ready. But there still is a sense that they have to take on an understanding of what it's like yeah. to participate in the real world. And that's a fiscal responsibility. So yeah. absolutely. But Scott, to your point, I mean, this generation, they will tell you they are not going to push through. And I think uh, how people interpret that is up to their own personal judgment. Meaning, I think we were all taught, uh, especially prior to COVID, if you weren't feeling well, you still went and you pushed through work, right? Somebody's relying yeah. on you. You need to get yeah. something done. You need to go in. This generation is like, no, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to push through. <laughs> right. so, so that line to right. help determine when you need to push yourself, right? When this is an, um, an important frustration for you to go through or an important, yeah. important disappointment for you to reflect on because maybe there's something you need to learn or maybe you think it just didn't work out the first time you go again. I think this generation is going to require more personal guidance. And, and to your point, Scott, I think the question becomes now, where do they get it from? Instinctively, this is a generation that uses online. You know, like they yeah. go look, they type in TikTok very specifically, like who else is going through this? And then they look at these experiences. But I think it is a conversation as parents and even in communities for us to talk to them more honestly about what it's actually like to, to grow up. I don't think people get those honest conversations. I think we all paint it like, well, we made it right. We're either, if there's extremes, it's always like push through. Like my dad would always be like, get back out there. And I'm like, you know, it's hard out here. <laughs> we get so yes. like, you know, yes. it's a reprieve. But then the other end is like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry. Everything you do is fine. You know? And so it's due. How do we find that balance? for each person individually. Oh, you all are the Gen Xers. See, I'm a yes. yes. Yeah. They say you all didn't do what's right. They yeah. say you, but you know, 
We, you, they're, you know what? They're right <laughs> so on many so levels. many levels, though, Larissa. I have to tell you, because like Scott had kids a little later in life than I did. So we're a little different in where we are from a parenting perspective. But what I will say is that um, because of like where where I came in, I don't think that I, I taught my kids the lessons I should have because I wasn't going to subject oh. them to what I went through right. growing up, you know, and so definitely did not do do right by by my kids in the in the way that I was preparing them for the world ahead what I thought I was doing was protecting them from all of that you know negativity and the things that that I felt growing up um, but in return I, I I protected too much um, in that you know so I, I don't think that I gave them the right things that they needed well, as a result thing. of that so so you're not you're not wrong we we did make well, some and I think that's where my question came in about in our Cliff too, right? So right now I'm, I'm yeah. I, I can say that I uh, wholeheartedly support my mother, my father not so much. He's he's self sufficient, but all three of my kids are going to college, and I did that under the terms of giving them something I didn't get. I worked hard; they should benefit. And as they get older, I'm going, how much do they get to benefit? Right. That's a real interesting question yeah, yeah. because that was not a concern yeah. of my parents. If I was going to school, I was footing the bill. No. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't going to go mm-hmm. to school, then I was getting out of yeah. the house and I was going to foot the bill. Whether it was my own apartment or not, yeah. it was unheard of that you would pay your parents mm-hmm. rent, that you'd even live there. So this sandwich, yeah. so I'm a, I'm a walking poster child for the generation that did not serve well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now trying to clean that yeah. up with, well, here's how I got here. Here are the things that I did. Here's what I'm doing. But at what point is it appropriate to push them out of the nest? You know? Yeah. Yeah. For their greater good. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I I think that some of, um, because my parents went through the same thing. It was like, they all were like, you 18, you're older. Like, they didn't do that to us. But I think you all obviously felt like you wish you had more protection. I think that's why everybody swung in the other direction. Yes. Yes. that was challenging. Yeah. That's challenging. Yes. Who's the other end for yeah. this generation? Uh, and even questions I had to ask myself is, well, what do I want out of life? And I do think it's the yeah. same thing. This is, again, the difference between book smarts versus street smarts. I think people have who have not even a, this big, grand ambition, but to your point about self-sufficiency, I think some children and people in their development more naturally tend towards I want to be self-sufficient. And for a range of motivations. Some of it is like, mm-hmm. I just don't want my parents in my business. <laughs> right? Some of it some of it is like, right. yeah. I want to go make my own choices and do the things that I want to do and build an identity separate from my parents. And some of it is just, again, a more comfort, uh, a, a greater comfort with, if this doesn't work out, I will be okay. I think the right. other end of it, where yeah. some, where even I've heard stories of parents that, you know, we'll call them failure to launch, as they say. It's just mm-hmm. this sense of like, mm-hmm. you're not getting what the real world is like. Like you're missing that I am yeah. protecting you. I'm covering most of the costs, but really in the long term, this is not sustainable for you, right? You don't have the right. skills or ability to figure things out, right? Even sometimes parents will be like, you don't know how to um, not use the facts, but like, you don't know how to call someone and ask them for the information that you need, right? Like, <laughs> right. there's, yeah. there's yeah. this um, ability to troubleshoot diagnose, figure things out that we do have to make sure that yeah. that youth have. I think it's an individual question though, Scott. I think we're always going to come back to that, which is which is tricky because 
yeah. two children can have the, you know, the exact same parents. And one is like, I'm ready to go. Another one is like, I need a little bit longer. That's but right. ultimately, I think everybody needs oh, a plan. Sure. Uh, I guess we could say 30 for this. For this well, week. and I think the economics <laughs> piece holds. <laughs> it's too old in my household. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> 20, 22, 23 max for me. But the other thing I'd like to point out that you brought up is the economics of it all, right? So my generation also got the benefit of interest rates that went super low. That's the Clinton right. administration trying to create housing options, to your point earlier about first-time home buyers, all of those rules and regulations that mm -hmm. bit us all in the ass in 2008 served us all really well in 1999. Mm -hmm. But those things, that leveling yeah. out piece is, I think, really important for us to kind of hone in on. Yes. Because it's not pushing them out of the nest. It's not making them successful. And it's not giving away the ranch either. It's kind of a blend of all of it, mm -hmm. which is yes. where I think I'm landing in our dialogue yeah. today on, wow, like we've got a lot of different moving parts, but it is so admirable, your book, about talking about it because people aren't, they're really not. It's one track yes, or the other. Yes, That's it. Well, and, and to agree. your point about blending, right? Everything, things that used to be normed, meaning like there was this only way, mm -hmm. this generation gets a question at every touch point, right? So it's like, yes, yes. okay, after, so, so college, right? Like, okay, do I want to go to college? Yes or no? Okay, I'm working. Is this the type of work I want to do? Or am I interested in more freelance or gig economy work? Okay, so- uh, it's also, you know, the idea was you go to work, you climb the corporate ladder. People will tell you, I don't want to be a manager, right? There's a movement. I want to be a sole yep. contributor or like support, um, yeah. come, like um, cross and collaborate, but I don't want to manage others. There's even a question personally, mm -hmm. do I want children? Do I want to be married? Right? So all these things that yeah. were just this ladder that you climb, right? The success rate that some people, yep. there's a whole movement of I'm going to rent forever. So again, all these things, right? You graduate, yeah. you go to college, you go to yeah. work, you work hard, you get married, you buy your home, you have children. That map for most people is, that's not how it's going to unfold simply because they do have choices at every yeah. step of the way. And to your point, a lot of that is some shifts in economics, right? Like a lot of it is mm -hmm. these things cost. Mm -hmm. And now everybody is more conscious of the yeah. cost of things. And so the question even more, do I want that is, can I financial? is that feasible right. for me? And then, you know, um, there's a whole lot of talk about how the, the stagnation of wages, right? Inflation, mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. economic stratification, right? And so that's also why I think education, to go back even to the, the book and where we can upskill in education is we have to talk about the economy now, right? We actually yes. have to talk about yeah. the numbers. We have to talk about how people get to a point where they even have discretionary Spending, right? For most students, with the amount of debt they're getting yes. in, they're starting with a deficit, and they're not even thinking like that, yeah. right? So, it's right. a different, Very it's true. a different thinking mm -hmm. we have to help students take on for them to understand what it means to be financially successful. Yeah. No. Well, and I think too the 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 generations they don't have um, <clears throat> they don't have pensions. Um, they don't um, you know with the shape Social Security is in. Um, they're not going to have that, and the and they're not paying into it either in many cases because they are working um, you know gig jobs or side jobs where they're not paying into Social Security, so they're not going to have that in place either. And then thinking about like they don't have any of those things. I was just reading an article about that, and really 
our generation didn't have much of that whole pension because most of that was done away with. But you look at um, the boomer generation was really the last generation to reap the benefits, if you will, of um, of that kind of economic structure we yeah. had put in place that took you from you know high school to college to job to family to retirement. Um, but after that. <laughs> It all, all hell broke loose. And we're, we don't see that same type of environment that we're in today. So even to your point, the economics behind it all, we have to prepare our, our upcoming generations for what isn't going to be there. Um, and what do they need to do to be But prepared That was a very that. Daffy Duck comment. It was already, it was like, What's it? No health care. And it was like, there's no, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> She knows her people. (laughs) I know my people. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That is such a, that is so funny, Larissa. (laughs) But it is very true. That was very glass half empty um, comment that I just made there. Like you said, Uh, on point. Yeah. 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 Mm Yeah, no, it it is really kind of interesting. And it's also that other side of it, right? So preparing the generations um, and as parents. So what I love about what you're doing, too, is that this isn't just a conversation for students. It is a learning opportunity for parents, because this is something you and I have talked about before, the, the, the phasing generation or, well, pull your bootstraps up or well, you've got to suffer through it because yeah. I suffered through it. Those days should be far behind us. And what we should be doing is helping to guide and and, um, nurture and help uh, those those upcoming generations and how can we make that path better for them versus you know well you'll suffer this the lessons and that's how you'll how you'll learn makes no sense and I also think that's part of the reason why we see such a mental health crisis going on in this world today as well is because of all this going on and this loss you know this feeling of being lost the inundation um, of data I mean, we are so well. inundated yeah. with data we don't so have much. any ability to decipher it. I have no idea how to decipher it. It just sends all our our hormones and our dopamines and all the stuff into Mm -hmm. all so many different directions. Leveling that out is almost impossible. It's almost impossible. No. And to both your points, I think one thing parents can help that this generation does struggle with is the building of relationships, right? Like even though they're on their phones and stuff a lot, but meetings in person, the interactions that people had in communities, whether that was because their parents took them to a place of faith on Sundays or because their parents always had a place that they stopped with them yeah. or because it's not there. And so um, those, that That's sense true. of social connection or teaching them how to foster relationships or help it, or um, even facilitating how they participate in certain groups. Hey, did you know this is available? That's an important skill for parents to, to shepherd their children towards or their loved ones towards um, as well for this generation. And it's not yeah. instinctive for them, right? Like it's... Um, Yeah, it's not in the way that we know it to be right that cultivating of relationships and social ties, they do need more support in that area. And then that also goes to the mental health piece. Totally. That's very true. No, I totally agree. Larice, who's been your most important professional mentor? So thinking about that, like who's helped guide you through all of this? Um, Because you've done remarkably well um, in in everything that you've done. And so who are some of those people who have inspired and guided you? I love this question because informally I was like, oh, failure. I was like, I really did not, did not like failure. I was like, It's not a person. It's a thing. It's a real thing. And it's like, oh my God. But I do appreciate that it's only when failure, and I mean like when you plan something and you're like, that did not go well. Like, and you really get to look at it and say, these are the skills 
like the skills that didn't allow me to be successful, those have been important moments. I think for people, I'm really yeah. fortunate in college that my, well, I'm, I'm fortunate in that, honestly, it's like a, 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 somebody has always popped out along the way to be like, this is where she should go. Right. And they would. So when I was That's younger, so cool. I had a kindergarten teacher, Miss Snyder, and she just, my, my mom actually taught at the school that we were at and they were always like, Larissa's is gifted. And so they always helped my mom like, um, be like, okay, so she should go to this program. Or my eighth grade principal was like, Larice needs a challenge. So then I ended up in boarding school, which I don't think I would have went unless my parents were like, uh, <laughs> thought that I was one, going to be safe there, but two, appropriately challenged there. Uh, three, you know, when I went to yeah. college, my advisor was like, let's sit down because you need to figure this out. Right. And that's how I got my PR internship. Uh, and then along the way, I realized that, that it was people, right? So I fostered relationships with people. I remember my intern, um, his name is Eric Handler. He works at Yes Network and he's still there in PR. And he gave me great insight. He took a chance and um, really helped me improve my writing. And that's a key thread, I think, throughout. Most recently, yeah. I had to learn sales. I think that's the other thing, right? I would tell anybody, that's what they need to teach yeah. everybody in high school, right? Yeah. Totally right? agree. Because everything is selling. You are always selling. They, I totally agree. It's a skill that is um, under undertaught and yes. underutilized. And so for most sure. recently, Charlotte Breyer, yeah. um, her and I, I was on a panel for entrepreneurship. We went to the same boarding school, but she had opened up an investment firm and then sold it. And she just was really helpful for fostering community, inviting me in community, but also, again, talking about sales. And again, I, people hear sales and they think of yeah. probably not the car, the used car salesman. I think some people think it. Yeah, but yeah, 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 they, they do. Right. You're right. But you, you recognize like, no, we are always selling. And so mm. and when you influence always. people yeah. you, uh, or you're helping them see a recommendation in a specific way, that's selling, right? Even when you're talking to them about yes. an idea you have, even in conflict, when you're like, this is the outcome that I think is most favorable for the group. That's selling. I think we we associate selling with, okay, there's always a, a purchase. And, you know, sometimes there is, but it's really even to get people yeah. to think a certain way or to consider. Yeah. The, pur yeah. the purchase can be knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. No, that it's was very true. For me. It is. I, again, no. I would say that to anybody, no matter what you're doing, you improve your outcomes dramatically yeah. when you understand sales. I totally agree. Now that's a, that's a really good one. Well, you know, I can always talk to you all yes. day long, literally. You just are such a wealth of knowledge and you just bring so such a great perspective to things. You always make me think a little differently um, about things. So I, I love that about you. Um, when As we wrap up our show, we like to um, to end the show with three questions. So here, here are our three questions for you, Larise. Um, what is a common myth about your job or field of expertise? Oh, that we are. So in education, the idea is that we are open-minded. We are not. I love that you said yeah. that out loud. <laughs> yeah, so true. Yeah, it is. It's an excellent point because I do think academics is actually not open-minded. You're right. And that is the place where it should be the most, right? That's where you're fostering creativity and growth and, and all of this. And that's where we should be the most open-minded. And yet that is one of those areas where we're like, nope, yeah. this is the way mm -hmm. it's supposed to be done. So no, that's a great one. I love that. What is the most important lesson you've learned over your career thus far? That you can go again 
but don't go again the same way you went previously, right? Like, I, I think- <laughs> Don't be crazy. <laughs> right. 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 And they're like, well, you're doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different outcome. I'm like, oh. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, don't yes. do that. <laughs> yes. So I would say, no. my parents used to tell me this and I was like, no. Like, they used to like, Larissa, you're hard-headed. I was like, no. And then I was like, oh, I'm hard-headed. Like, um, you know, the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship is you get these ideas and you can implement them. The, that's also the ugly yeah. thing about entrepreneurship, right? You get some ideas and you were like, that didn't work. But then yeah. you, uh, in our space, and I would say this is something I've learned most recently. And I, Scott, I do think it goes to your book. How did you get here, right? Is right, right. You yeah. really do have to accept things about yourself and your personality. It's like, Yes, anybody can make a million dollars, but you're not going to make a million dollars the same way that person made a million. And that's not supposed to be bad. It's supposed yeah. to be a recognition of yeah. what is it about you that is your strength that then you can translate into the outcome you want. So what did that mean for me? I think it's easy in this space. I know for anybody who is an entrepreneur, you get caught up in like, do this webinar, right? Like this, sell on here, do this. And before you know it, you're trying yeah. all these things. And then you're like, it's not working. Now, of course, sometimes it's not right. working because maybe you don't try it long enough. But often I found it's not working because I'm not supposed to do it that way. It took right. me a long time more recently. Ooh, that's a really yeah. smart aha. Wow. Yeah. And a, a yeah, hard one. That's a good one. <laughs> yes. Oh, that <laughs> well, especially, well, especially from a really person good who's point. strong with recall and has been reinforced in the book smarts, this is the way you do it and you find success. Yeah. That's not how you yeah. do it. It's yeah, such yeah, a good yeah. aha. And look, I come up out of my seat about that because that's exactly right. And for me, my strong suit is relationships. Mm -hmm. I haven't been the, the the brainchild to any magnificent thing. I will say that the reason my relationships are strong is because I back up what I'm being asked to do. In that's, other words, yeah. I will stay yeah. that course. I will fix this problem. I will be there because you opened up your opportunity for me with relationship, Right. Yes. And so that's gets a little messy yeah. at times too, but that's the thing that's interesting about not having to recall anything or create or be something or do something in a canned way. It's just yeah. unique to staying the mm -hmm. course to the relationships was my path. And yeah. then a couple little yeah. purchases on, on the Monopoly board helped along the way, yeah. you know? Yeah. Really, and yeah. I really, really like what you just that's said there. Point. I think that's really valuable as, as yeah, a closing I statement for our listeners too. Like your path is not canned and ready to go for you. Your path is what you bring no. to the table. That's Accentuate, it. learn it, communicate yeah. it, be in it, go to college for it or don't. That's right. right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. No, it's this. very true. I totally agree. It really was. Well, and I think, you know, that uh, my, my last question was, what's one lesson your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life, um, Larice? And it sounds like that might, not, that's yeah. a big part of it, right? Is that yeah. not everybody's path is the same. Um, you can get to the same place. I love what you said there. You can, every, anybody can make that million dollars, but they aren't going to necessarily make it the same way. Um, yeah. I, I think that. it's taught me to like myself and I can always tell. Oh. I can, and, in, I like that. Um, when I was younger, I looked at success and I was like, okay, so who has, who's economically made it? But now that I'm older, yeah. I can tell when people like themselves and what they do and when people don't. And that's actually how I've come to define success yeah. more often is I can tell when I'm like, oh, you don't like what you do. And like, you don't like yourself as you do it. Uh, and so I will say that, I would say that we, uh, it's, 
one of the more subtle metrics of success, but more important as you get older, I think that you have a sense of fulfillment is, yeah. is this broad word to be like, what does that mean? But at least a sense of I like myself as I do what I do. I think it's very important. And I've learned that. I like that. You know, it's funny with all the certifications and all the coaching and all the stuff that I've done, the theme of what you just said of success equals happiness. And that's what we're all striving for is really what I think motivates people. They don't pay attention to that. I think it's what you're saying too. You're happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You can find your happiness. There's success. Start there. Yeah. 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 Well, it's probably the opposite, right? It's not that success um, equals happiness. It's happiness equals success. If you're happy at what you're doing, it doesn't matter if you're a millionaire or you have five cars and 10 houses. It's, it's really, it's what makes you happy. um, And that's where that success lies. So if you're very content in where your life is, then, then you've succeeded and that that's a good thing. And I think that's a wonderful lesson um, for people to, to keep in mind. And you, I agree with you, Louise, you can tell like the happiest people aren't always the ones who have been the most, what we would define as successful in life. Um, And so, because we judge on a different level of what we think is success. So, So I like that. Yeah, that's great. Louise, I'm so glad you joined us today. Um, And I can't wait to see what you do with all of this. Um, Now, I know you're working to to really promote um, in, and I hope that you're working with guidance counselors as well, because, boy, they could sure learn this lesson in grade school. And in high school, you know, but it should really start in grade school and start to be thinking about that. So you don't have all that pressure as you're. Oh, yes. I think the part two definitely has to be what what feedback do we get from the counselors and more about the economy? I think we could do that really well. <laughs> yes, I I totally agree. We are definitely going to be coming back for a part two on this 100%. conversation. Thank you so much so, for being here. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. No. Yeah. Yes, thank, yeah. thank you. And getting up early. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, Larissa, I want to thank you so much for being here in the studio with us today. Scott, always thank a pleasure. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed spending time with Larissa as much as I did. And I know our audience. Yeah, thank you, Larissa. Well. It was a real so pleasure thanks, to thanks speak again, with you today. Thanks for co- making the time. Thank you both, Scott and Linda. I enjoyed it. An Unconventional Guide to Success is an inspirational, motivated series hosted by Scott Montgomery and Linda Misogatis, recorded on Riverside.fm. Music, editing, and production by Logan Misogatis. Check out Scott Montgomery's new book, How Did You Get Here?, and all the helpful related materials at www.howdidyougethere.com. Thank you for joining us on our journey. If you would like to reach out to us, our contact information is in the show notes.